Today on the How Did You Podcast, we're joined by Ben Ebrill, the sorted food chef, as well as the online creator. Ben, we've listed a lot of experiences that you've been through. How did it all begin? Well, I mean, if you, if you sort of know the backstory to Sorted, it's centred around a, a group of friends. Um, we've known each other for a long, long time since we started school together in 1998. So a long, long time. And it, it basically is that that messaging around friendship. And, and, and when we moved to uni, um, we began exploring the idea of Sorted as a way of just demystifying food for ourselves and our friends. And it, it's expanded the power of social media from there but um it very much focused on social media and as you say there have been some other sort of tv opportunities but that's more of a, a showcase for what we do online because for us it's all about an, an online community exploring food what kind of thing or kind of job did you want to carry out whilst you were younger and have you stayed with that uh, yeah i think when you're a kid you always have ambitions for lots of cool things I want to be everything from a pilot and the idea of you know flying planes how cool is that but I think as I got a bit older and sort of realized what I enjoyed and what I really liked at school for me one of the things I wanted to do is be a teacher it was never a chef I had an interest in food but I always loved the idea of, of teaching because I a passion of mine is understanding a topic and, and digging in on a topic and then finding ways of distilling that into a very sort of um, digestible chunks that that you can share with other people and it, it sort of pass on that enthusiasm for for learning with others so although I never went into the educational route I feel like in some way that's what we do with Sorted it's that sort of dispelling all the myths that are out there and demystifying that what people consider to be a very complex subject and trying to make it a bit more accessible so I wouldn't say I've stuck with that initial thought because I've never taught a classroom of students in my life but I feel like I guess every day on YouTube we're doing something in that kind of realm you speak about being a teacher. What kind of subject do you think you would be teaching if it wasn't for food? Oh, I don't know. I mean, there's there's things that I'm absolutely rubbish at, like languages that I think I need to be taught. But I also, but I love the exploration of, sort of history and geography and, and all the things that have happened that have got us to where we are today. So I think something around that would be quite quite fun. At what age or what time period did you become a, a kind of obsessed with food? I think obsessed is a, is, a, is a good word because I think I've always been obsessed with food. Um, I grew up in a family where food was very, very um, much part of the whole experience. My mum and dad were really good cooks. We always had home-cooked food, um, never trained or in the industry or anything, but food was a big central part to everything we did growing up. So I always had an interest. Um, it wasn't really until when I was 16, I suppose, when I got my first job, Saturday job or weekend job, um, and that happened to be in a pub. I didn't necessarily go looking to become a chef, but it was a convenient job that I could cycle to from home and do on a Saturday and Sunday um, while still at school. And I started in the kitchen and I kind of fell in love with it there and the kind of the, the movements of a kitchen and a brigade working together. And from then I kind of decided that actually food was something I wanted to do um, beyond school into university and, and, and onwards. You've, we've delved quite into you being obsessed or geeky with food is there any books that you've liked the most because previously in the sorted videos i noticed that you've mentioned mcgee's culture for science and cooking for geese and stuff like that is there any ones in particular yeah i mean i, t I tend to surround myself with books because although we are still very much well, not still but we've become sort of a digital age and if you want an answer um, you can find it on wiki in no time at all and 15 years ago i don't think you necessarily trust that as a source because 
it, you know, everything has to be taken with a pinch of salt, but I think platforms like Wikipedia now are incredible for understanding and, and learning um, all sorts of stuff. But I still like a physical book and I've still got, and as I look around my flat now, there's just bookshelves of stuff that I, that I love and they tend to all centre around food. So not necessarily cookbooks, but looking at the science of food. So if I literally look over there, the science of cooking, the science of spice is a good one and how all of the different um, sort of volatile um, elements within spices behave and interact with um, other foods and how flavour pairings kind of work, but also down to nutrition and a lot of um, sort of the story and history of food and how iconic or national dishes came to be. Um, I kind of enjoy getting lost in all of those conversations and I never, ever, ever read them cover to cover. I'm useless. I start a book and I stop and I pick something else up and I'm, I'm quite sort of scatty like that, but I love just dipping into books that don't require you to just start at the start and finish it. It's not a fiction. It's not a, it's not a narrative. It's not a, um, there's no plot line. It's just lots of little bits of information that you can dip in and out of. That's kind of the stuff I love. Mentioning things that you love, obviously there's food and there's kind of the online digital area uh, era. Sorry. Uh, you've learned to play the guitar kind of which is used for relaxing and also done wine courses is there anything else that we don't know about you interesting i mean the guitar i certainly did at school so um back when we were all at um secondary school where we met the other co-founders of sorted um i picked up an instrument in year seven first year and i did that all the way through school and took all the, the grades exams and absolutely loved it i have to be honest when i went to university I took the guitar, but it got very dusty in the corner. And I do occasionally like picking it up and playing it to kind of relax. But more often than not, it actually frustrates me now because I'm not nearly as good as I was 15 years ago because I don't play it anymore. So I, I'm frustrated that I can't play the stuff that I did all those years ago. And so actually, less of the guitar now, but yeah, always learning new stuff. So the wine courses is a good example. Um, but I also like things that have sort of a bit of dexterity, either... Um, uh, with sort of hands and fingers or dexterity of the mind. So I will religiously do the, uh, the, the crossword or Sudoku on the commute into London each morning because it just, I feel like wakes me up. But also I have a real passion as a kid and I still kind of do with close-up magic and the idea of sort of sleight of hand and um, stuff with cards. So anything that just keeps my mind active, even when I'm sat in front of the TV watching something and just kind of chilling out, I'll often still have, even then, a deck of cards and just be playing almost subconsciously um, with that because I just it just I don't know you find that very very relaxing wow I didn't expect that as an answer and I've got to mention it but how's the allotment another passion project this year um yes well spotted probably you can't escape it on my on my Instagram feed um that was something that I kind of thought might be cool during lockdown um and I thought wouldn't it be cool to do something while we're all lockdown and trapped inside i'd love to have some outdoor space and to be able to do a bit of grow your own so i applied to um grab an allotment near me and it took an entire year to sort of work my way to the top of the waiting list which i think is actually relatively short in places like london the waiting lists are years and years long um, so i was quite lucky to get one after a year but therefore i got it this year in may quite late into the season for growing stuff so i had to jump straight in sort of two feet um quite literally get my hands dirty and plant loads of stuff. And it was very much an experiment this year. I planted about 50 different things in the hope that maybe a third would um, work really well. A third would be average. And I kind of expected a third to fail because I'd never done it before. 
Um, but even the ones that haven't worked and that have been eaten or, or rotted away or got blight, um, even that has been an interesting learning curve. And I actually can't wait to do it again next year and sort of pick up on all those learnings and see what, what I would change. But I have to be honest, across the summer, I've barely bought any vegetables um, probably for the last four months because there has been so much coming out of the allotment. Um, so my fresh produce buying has been pretty much just fruit because all the vegetables have been grow your own. Fantastic. I, I'm guessing that would be perfect for Ebba's Deli and Ellie's, Ebba's B&B. <laughs> yeah, one day. <laughs> we, we, uh, we mentioned sorted food briefly, but how did sorted food become a, a kind of thing? Well, the idea started quite literally around a pub table um, many, many moons ago when it was literally a, a concept of sharing recipes between friends. And we decided it wasn't just those of us around the table that would benefit from this kind of simplified, no fuss uh, approach to food. So we actually did a self-published cookbook and selfishly, it was a good way of us getting a piece of our own work out there. Um, much like the podcast you're doing now, it's a good chance just to showcase and build up a portfolio of work in a, in a field you really enjoy. We did that because Barry could do the photography, I could do the recipes, um, Jamie could kind of use it as almost a, a marketing project for a coursework he was doing rather than it being hypothetical, it could be you know, a real thing. And as a result, we sort of had this student cookbook um, self-published. And then we looked at ways of trying to sell the cookbook and we did a few videos, almost inverted commas adverts um, to try and advertise the book. And we realized when we put them on YouTube which was at the time quite a new platform that um, was just starting up and it was free to use, both us and the users. We thought, let's stick them up there. And that really resonated because it was a way of really showcasing what food was about. It wasn't necessarily just about taking the chore out of midweek cooking, but it was an excuse to get together with friends and hang out. And that, that kind of vibe just took off. And we realised there was a real opportunity to carry on doing those videos because so many people wanted more advice around food. And, and, and over time, it went from more how-to into more exploration and, and, and now more kind of just fun, competitive challenges that um, that keep us all um, entertained. And that's our kind of rule of thumb. If we enjoy doing them, we hope that somebody out there on the internet will enjoy watching them. How are you finding the poker face? Those ones I less I enjoy a lot less. Yeah, so poker face is an odd concept um, where we have to eat some extreme foods, whether that extreme sour or salty or spicy, and not react, keep a complete poker face. Um, and especially when it comes to chili, I just can't do it because my face sweats a lot. Um, they are hell, not just when we're filming, but for a good number of hours uh, afterwards as our bodies try and recover, they are extreme. What is one kind of dream experience that you want to happen yet, that is yet to happen? Well, Sorted's entire world really revolves around the internet. We wouldn't be here without it. So it's all very digital. And that's kind of its beauty is the fact that we can tap into a global community of foodies who are super passionate all around the world. And there's no other way that you could come up with a recipe and share that with hundreds of thousands of people. You couldn't do that in a physical space. That said, it would be wonderful one day to have a physical space, um, whether that is a pub. You mentioned the B&B as kind of a joke, and I think that would be a joke, but it's kind of somewhere where we can actually feed people uh, on a more regular basis uh, the hospitality industry is really struggling right now for 101 reasons um so i don't think now's the time but one day maybe um, a physical space whether it's permanent or a temporary kind of pop-up thing uh, that would be that would be one of the dreams for sure 
How did it feel to win Good Food Channel's uh, Market Kitchen search? That was a long time ago and a very first kind of soiree into TV. So Market Kitchen is not even a, a show that um, exists anymore on a channel that I don't think even exists anymore. Um, but it was very much uh, magazine-led uh, Monday to Friday um, cooking show. And put out a competition to see if people wanted to... Um, uh, kind of have a go at becoming a, a TV chef. And at the time we had the cookbook, um, but we'd never really done, well, we'd definitely not done any TV. So I gave it a go and I did surprisingly well. I surprised myself, but I think that was because of the passion was there, just wanting to share the recipes that we'd come up with. Um, and we went through a number of challenges across the week. And I, um, yeah, I came out on top, which was, which was remarkable. And I think as sort of since then, we've always explored TV and considered it an option but never like the Holy Grail. It's not the place that Sorted is going to end up. I think Sorted will always live in an online community, but sometimes TV is a really cool way of um, almost using it as a megaphone to, to shout about the wonderful world of uh, YouTube and, and the global community we have within the Sorted Club. Definitely. How did it also feel to be featured in Square Miles 30 Under 30? I mean, again, it's... That, that has to have been a few years ago. I can't remember how long ago because I'm definitely in my mid-30s now. Um, but it was that opportunity back then to do something that I think other people weren't doing. I think there was a very traditional uh, route into food publishing and whether it was cookbooks or sort of the TV, inverted commas, TV chef route, everyone was always taking the same route. And we had an opportunity because of YouTube, which was just emerging, and we, we tried to do something on YouTube that hadn't really been done before, a, a cooking channel as opposed to just um sporadic kind of videos at the time channels didn't really exist so we were doing something quite different um and, and as a result yeah we were featured in square miles 30 under 30 amongst a whole number of like phenomenal uh, entrepreneurs and great kind of people with phenomenal innovation where all we were really doing was just following our gut and um, we just happened to be doing it at the time that made a lot of sense um, I, i'd like to think looking back we kind of well, we definitely run a business now. And there's lots of decisions that get made, that I think, would put us in that realm now. But we're no longer under 30. So uh, it was good to be featured in that at the time. Going back to the TV, I whilst doing my research, I found that there was a kind of book that mentioned when you went on TV one time, the electric cut out. Yes, um, you have done your research. So yeah, that was a Channel 4 show um, many years ago. And it was kind of a, it was a really interesting concept because they basically built a TV studio in the car park of a supermarket. And then it was sort of sponsored by the supermarket. And they would basically do lots of quick daily cooking. It's like a lunchtime show, maybe an hour. They'd have guests on. Um, and the fun part of it was literally one segment of the show um, being set a challenge as a chef and then they would cut to an ad break and in that ad break you'd have to run across the car park to the actual store buy the ingredients and then you'd come back after the ad break and you've literally in real time no planning very kind of really silly cook like thinking on your feet get back to the studio and then and then cook something and literally it all happened in in, in real time and that was terrifying and um, there was huge pressure but but good fun but the one time i did cake in a mug um which was a microwavable feature um and that was a planned feature. We had a number of guests and we had four micro microwaves all lined up and I showed the guests how to, how to make it and we put them in the microwave and then everyone sort of pushed go while we went to an ad break, two and a half minutes, we'd come back, we'd have cake, brilliant. Except that when four microwaves all got put on together, 
it blew the power to the studio um, because it was a temporary studio in a car park it wasn't geared up somebody hadn't quite done the uh, the maths on the on the wattage of these things and it went down so a live show on channel four went off air um, and did not return that day because they couldn't get power back to the studio and it was all my fault well i didn't plug the mic microwaves in but it was kind of my fault you could also say that kind of inspired pass it on in a way then because of the kind of complex thinking that you have to do on the spot there and then yeah, and those formats, pass it on as a, as a prime example, come out of crazy ideas. Um, often the, the, the community you're watching who comment underneath videos, it often stems from their ideas. And quite often we give, it and give them a go and we're less sure whether they're ever going to work. So pass it on was an example we filmed and we very nearly didn't publish it because we thought it was rubbish because it was so chaotic, so much like carnage and it didn't really have any purpose it didn't really succeed it kind of almost failed that first one um but it turns out that's what people quite like is the thinking on your feet the how do you dig yourself out of a problem if a, if a recipe goes a bit askew so by building a format that has real communication or time issues um means that some of those things do go wrong and it's that kind of jeopardy that i think people absolutely love whilst also doing my research i saw that you Allegedly, I'm not sure whether this is true or not, have cooked for Andrew Lloyd Webber, Gary Barlow and the Queen. By the sounds of it, you've cooked for quite a few important people. You've even cooked alongside Gordon Ramsay. Which kind of people would you say is the most fun to cook with or cook for? Well, I think people always put sort of, you know, celebrities and, and people with um, fame sort of on a pedestal. But for me, I just love cooking for people who appreciate food. Um, and so, yes, I did do some private um, dining at one point and I have cooked for all those individuals and it's always, always good fun. But I think for me, sometimes it's just going away on holiday with a group of friends to a self-catered accommodation where you can just go and get loads of fresh food from the market and cook up a feast for five, six, eight, ten people. And the best bit is when at the end of the meal, all the plates are empty. Like that's literally the best compliment you can ever give a chef. So whilst cooking for famous people is fun and that tends to be the ones that get picked up in sort of um, uh, articles and stuff. The reality is it's just cooking for people who appreciate good food. That's what really gives me a buzz. Going back to you and your personal like human self, where do you see yourself in a year? My personal human self. <laughs> the times when I think I'm far from human. Um, it's, it's, I have these weird kind of ambition. Well, not weird, but ambitions to, to constantly do something and, and challenge myself. And I think lockdown was a good example of that when I, we were all trapped. And I was trying to work out what I could do while I was trapped. When you, you finished doing the working day, we, you know, sorted food was really, really busy because there was so much we were able to help people with at home. People were trapped at home. Routines had changed. People wanted more help cooking at home in situations where perhaps they hadn't previously or as frequently um, or cooking for as many people. So it was a real challenge for work. But then as soon as I sort of shut the laptop and switched off, I kind of needed other challenges. And I think that's where I constantly want to, to learn and improve. So where do I see myself in a year? I want to find another project to learn. I want to do the allotment better than I did this year. I want to um, perhaps further the, the wine education and take that to diploma level because I found that really fascinating. I've always loved wine, but I've never really understood it. So it's kind of fun to, to understand wine a bit more. And I feel like there's one other thing that I need to find to get my teeth stuck into that I really want to do. I don't know what that is yet, 
what I do know is that outside of personal life and personal ambitions, we've got some real ambitions for Sorted and that consumes a big chunk of all of our lives because we're so passionate about it. It's our baby. We've been doing it for 12, 13 years and we've got some real ambitions of where we want to take that next year to help more people because the world of food is hugely complex and there's so many moving parts. There is so much to understand about the future of food, where our food comes from, nutrition, how to cook well on a budget. Those are the things that get us out of bed in the morning is how can we help people on that journey through food? You spoke about there being a lot of moving parts. I'm going to throw this question out at you, sorry. How did you feel about Pass It On Live and the upcoming Pass It On Live? I've got to ask because I'm quite excited myself. Yeah, no, well, a huge challenge. Again, live is a very different beast to what we would normally do. So Pass It On, as a format, takes us 40 or 50 minutes to film because it's 10 minutes of real-time cooking for four or five people. And then we stop, we get loads of shots of it, and then we sit down and and, and taste it and review it and whatever. The whole thing, start to finish, including the intros and all the setup, and probably an hour and a half it takes us to film. And that gets edited down into a 15 or 20 minute video. So the real pressure for us doing it live was, is that really interesting? Because in your section, if one of your tasks is to peel a bunch of potatoes, in the real video, most of that gets cut out because no one wants to see you spend three minutes peeling potatoes, where all of a sudden in a live environment, it's all being captured. So there was a part of us that was worried that it would be more boring for people to watch because they're seeing all the boring stuff, the occasional time we're clearing down and that's not fun to watch, but that normally gets cut out or washing hands after handling raw meat. We cut that out because no one needs to see it, it's boring. But the reality is when you're doing it live, it's all there. So our concern was it was gonna be more boring. Having done them now, we know it's far from that. It's incredibly exciting because it's live. Anything can happen. We genuinely don't know what each other have done because we're, we've got it, um, noise cancelling headphones on. We're, we're out of the picture. So it is terrifying. And therefore, doing it once and finding, you know, there were a few things we want to improve for next time. But the fact that we can do this next one in December and make it festive as well, which everyone loves. So it's kind of our take on a sort of Christmas party kind of thing and um, we can't wait for for loads of people thousands of people all over the world to join us um, on that day but it is stressful that's for sure the YouTube CEO mentioned sorted during lockdown as a helping a load of people out because they had lots of different skills lots of different ideas behind it if you had to give advice whether it be for cooking for media for just being a person for people in life what would it be I think it's take a moment to stop and think. I think when it comes to food, which is obviously the realm we live in, but I think this is across everything. We are so used to just doing things the way we've always done it. And we're in routine. We often eat, for example, without even really thinking about it. We just grab a sandwich at lunch or we'll pour ourselves a bowl of cereal in the morning or toast. We're just so stuck in kind of routine that we don't always think. So I think sometimes it's just take a step back and, think about this and work out actually is this the best way of doing it is there something i can mix up or change that might be better for me it might be better for the family or friends that surround me it might be better for the environment there might be some things that we should probably change but i think we're also set on rails that sometimes we don't get the opportunity to take the time to think and that is i would say one silver lining to the lockdown and, and the whole kind of last 18 months or so um through the covid period we have had more time to think and to stop and to, to reassess. And I think it is changing people's habits. And I think 
even outside of food, the same applies. Just stop and think sometimes, why, why are we doing this? Is this the best way of doing it? Should we do more of it or should we do less of it or should we change it slightly? And um, I would just say, take time to think. Mm -hmm.